you are Locked On Falcons Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Falcons Postcast, your home for the best Falcons talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else, but right here at Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste, and joining me are Aaron Freeman and Jarvis Davis. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. The Lockdown Falcons postcast is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, speaking of team, this team that is yours here in Atlanta, rough go for them today as the Saints absolutely took over in the second half of what was actually a very close game before that third quarter. Saints went on to score 14 in the third quarter, 17 in the fourth and beat the Falcons 48-17. to Now, of course, we are going to deep dive into exactly what happened in the game today, and we're going to talk about what's next because there are some potential directions of how this game and really the last couple of games that the Falcons played can impact what happens tomorrow and honestly all and through the offseason. But first things first, let's talk takeaways. Aaron, your top takeaway of the day was it was a great first half, and then you can't really remember what happened next. Yeah, um, it, the Falcons played reasonably well in the first half. You were like, okay, we got some explosive plays from Scotty Miller and B. John Robinson. Desmond Ritter was efficient. Run game wasn't working particularly great. The defense didn't have its best game, but you were like, okay, this is pretty good for the first half. It's a pretty competitive uh, first half, 17-7. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, this was a tie game because I don't remember what happened in the second half of this game. Um, you know, did the Falcons lay down and die in the second half? Maybe. I don't know. I just came back and saw the final score. I'm like, oh my God, 48 to 17. How did that happen? That's not the team I saw in the first half. The second half Falcons, what, what, you know, what, what is this looking like? So, um, you know, if you want to take any positive from today, it's like, Hey, they look pretty good in that first half. But after that, it was like, yeah, very Bill Belichick. Yeah. And the way that you said it, Aaron, is probably... That is absolutely probably the way that most people feel like there are no words, just mumblings and grumblings about what we saw today. What about you, Jarvis? You said all it takes is one. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's so amazing how as people who cover this team and fans of the team and, you know, just from a fan standpoint as well, we're so conditioned to understand that it's going to happen and it being something bad. And when you think about the way Desmond Ritter played, it's, it's fitting. It's, it's so fitting for him to come out on fire like he did, and then for them to use Bijan Robinson in, in both aspects of the game as far as turning around and handing it off to him and being able to throw it to him. He'd take his, what, 70-something yard for a Everybody touchdown. Oh, my God, down the sideline. Oh, man, Aaron, I know you love that blue magic, man. It's great to see to be able to see that. But, you know, just what happened that has been happening all year, Desmond Ritter turns the ball over. This is what he's conditioned to do. It is in him. He's lived it. I want to go to my Bane voice because you know, you understand that he's going to be the guy to continue to turn the ball over. See, I'm going crazy because I'm so tired of seeing this. I, I told you I've been out on Desmond Ritter for quite some time. 
Because yeah. dude is just bound to turn the ball over. And then when you have two evenly average teams playing against each other, this that's what's going to happen. It happens all the time because you're just not good enough offensively to be able to turn the ball over like that. And and then defensively, you just had one of those days where you just can't stop figure out a way to stop the run. And then when you get a, a team like the Saints, a two-way goal, and your your arch nemesis and, and and Taysom Hill, when he gets in the game, they just go dumb dumb like, oh okay, we don't know whether they're gonna run a pass or not. And, but you know what Taysom Hill is going to do. So it just seems like, you know, when you when you're in a game like this, a rivalry game where teams know each other very well, it just seems like when you are turning that ball over, you're bound to lose. You're bound to lose. And when Desmond Ritter is in the game up under center, he's going to turn it over. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you look at the fact that their records are kind of juxtaposed in these last, say, five weeks, right? And you're thinking to yourself, but there's one key term that you mentioned, Jarvis, which is why I was thinking, okay, hope kind of should spring eternal because, yeah, the Saints had won four of their last five. Yeah, the Falcons had lost four of their last five, but it's the Saints and the Falcons. And anything can happen because it's a rivalry. I mean, they came into this particular game dead even. 54 wins for the Falcons, 54 wins for the Saints in the the series right it, and then all of a sudden and i'm just going to be honest with you guys and that kind of takes me to my takeaway as well i was listening to the radio broadcast as i'm like driving home or driving to to the gym and then in the church rather and everything was good as i'm listening to the play-by-play guy mike haas whom we all kind of know and love in, in new orleans so mike's going back and forth with the radio broadcast team for 92.9 the flagship station for the falcons the minute they get off the line. The minute Chris Goforth wraps his interview, Chris Goforth, of course, with the pregame show for 92.9, he wraps up with Mike, J.D. He wraps up with Mike Free, and all of a sudden he goes, and we just received confirmation that Desmond Ritter will be the starter. The bo- Like, you got to listen sometimes to tone. And he said it straight away, but for me, all I could hear was, oh, this ain't good. This ain't good for the Falcons. And as we get into the game, it just, like you said, Jarvis, unfortunately for me, I kept thinking, all right, the Falcons are battling through, but there was something that was just nagging at me that said, but something is not going to go well. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it's the interception and then it's the fumble. And those are both mistakes by Des Ritter to the point where the, the third turnover of the game, the Logan Woodside interception that was darn near a pick six doesn't even matter because the guy that we really thought was going to be the one that was probably going to give this game away, gave it away to the point where I said, you know what? You can't save him. He don't want to be saved. Just no. Just, just, just no. Yeah, it's it, it's truly unfortunate because I talked about this on the NFL kickoff live show, you know, just saying how if, if, because we, we didn't know that um, whether or not Taylor Heineken was going to play, and then they said they were going to take it up to, you know, right. to the uh, pregame. And I said, if Desmond Ritter gets into the game, we know exactly what he's going to do. And so that's why the tone and tenor changed, because we know he's been consistently uh, uh, known to turn the ball over, whether it be a fumble or interception. It's just how he does it. I don't care how great he's playing. And we saw it. He got off to yeah. a really good start. You're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. maybe – but mm-mm, no, right. and he was driving them down to get a field goal to go into halftime, and you knew they were going to get the right. ball back in the second half, right? Yeah, and then and then there were a couple of other balls that should have been picked off, and we had Drake London down on even on the uh, on the third and one, 
which was a questionable call as well. <laughs> you know, he threw the ball on the inside shoulder of the of Drake London. And then the, the safety was right there. When Drake London had the man beat, all you got to do is just throw the ball up the field on his outside shoulder. He probably still running right now, <laughs> you know, because, you know, Drake London ain't the fastest uh, um, drawing a book. But, you know, it's just it's just so many things that we question, whether it, whether it be play calling, whether it be, you know, quarterback play. And I think that, you know, that's why I've been saying this. I've been saying this for a long time. There's no reason for you to look at, you know, these last few games and say, oh, well, we, this is going to determine whether or not Arthur Smith keeps his job. You got to look at the body of work. Never averaged over 20 points a game as a as the, as the a former offensive coordinator. You only scored 30 points four times in three seasons. And it's been a year since you scored 30 points, almost to the day. January 8th, 2023. That's the last time you scored 30 points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? Yeah. And, you know, Free, when you look at it as well, in addition to, you know, what Jarvis just said, as far as Arthur Smith goes, you can say the same thing about like Des Ritter. Like at some point, you want to see like at least a progression or at least you want it to, to remain even. But let's not see a regression. And Matt Ryan, who, of course, was on the call for CBS Sports today, made a great point as they did a replay off of why he wasn't able to get that ball into Bijan Robinson. Technique was wrong from start to finish. How are we now a complete season in, four games in, whether he played or whether he started doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is you've been in the NFL in some way, shape, or form touching those 21 games. Because once you started this year, you were at least always, even when you were, you know, even when you got benched in favor of Taylor Heineken, you were still always a threat to kind of come back if they needed you. So 21 games in, why is it that Matt Ryan is still talking about where your foot should be planted in terms of not throwing the ball across your body to get the ball into Bijan? So worst case scenario at least you give yourself a fighting shot. I just thought to myself, like, yeah, that, that's not a conversation we should be having at this point. Yeah, you're right, T. Um, you know, Ritter hasn't been – he hasn't missed a lot of those. I mean, he's missed throws. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to make it sound like he hasn't missed throws. Um, <laughs> but, like, the, the, the footwork and the technique sort of mechanical stuff, that, like, he's been pretty good on that. And that's why that miss hurts even more. But like you know, I was joking with the Lockdown Falcons insiders during the game, just like we're just waiting for the Ritter interception. We're just waiting for that turnover to come, and it's like okay, get it out of the way in the first quarter, and then like yeah. we we won't have to worry about it in the second half where it's going to wind up killing. And then with the Falcons playing the way they did, you just like okay, well, like I basically said to the Lockdown Falcons insiders like at halftime, like somebody's going to turn the ball over, and that's going to cost them the game because and with the Falcons and who they have at quarterback, like you don't have a positive feeling with that, that 17, uh, 17 tie going into halftime. So it's just one of those things where it's just like, you were just waiting on it and it was like, okay, like clockwork. Okay. Here's it. Here's the interception. It costs the Falcons a game. You get the turnover and downs. You, you missed that opportunity to sort of get back in the game. And from that point on, like it just felt like the Falcons quit. Yeah. And the thing of it is that I thought was interesting too, before we wrap up is just, when I when I think about it, 
there was a moment, I will, I will give Desmond Ritter this. There was a moment in the second half where I said to myself, okay, one thing that he has been consistent about is having selective amnesia. Like he's really good about not letting his mistakes linger on. And that was the one thing where I thought like, okay, maybe there's an opportunity there. But after I said that, I'll be honest, as I saw sort of the, the next possession, I was thinking, yeah, no, I don't think this is going to be that day where selective amnesia plays a part or actually plays a part in in his favor because it just felt like that momentum, especially in that second half, just never kind of got there. And, you know, the thing of it is when you kind of look back, even um, like you're talking about last year, Jarvis, it was a situation where, yeah, they did score those 30 points at the end of the year. But how much of that was the defense pretty much giving them the darn ball and saying, hey, just go punch it in. So anyway, we'll talk more about this in the so much more to get into in our deep dive. More when we come back on the Falcons and Saints. This episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. Now, at the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves a question. What's the one move I can make? take my business to the next level in 2024. Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not like other job boards. There's a vast network of more than a billion professionals, even the ones that are on this postcast right now. We're on LinkedIn and it makes it the best place to hire, although we love our jobs with postcasts, so we're good. But hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates who are looking for great opportunities. So easy. In fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And that is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So thankfully, LinkedIn, it's pretty easy, it's quick, and it's intuitive. So you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys, a little more deep dive into this game. One of the things that I thought was interesting in terms of where we thought the Saints, excuse me, the Falcons would beat the Saints in this game potentially would be the work that was done on the defensive side of the ball. Not so much today. And interestingly enough, and I kind of wanted to get this take from you guys just to kind of get us started. Falcons played around 76% of their plays in man coverage in week 12 against the Saints. They went down to about 42% today. And for me, I was wondering why the change, what was it that maybe, uh, the, the defensive coordinator, maybe Ryan Nielsen and company saw that made them want to make that change, especially Jarvis. And I don't know how many adjustments he could have made during halftime, but especially because it really didn't work. To be honest with you, some of the things that you have to look at, like, right, because, you know, DeMarco Hellams wasn't in there um, today. Obviously, you had Richard Grant, who got lost in coverage. We saw a couple of times today and. It just seems like Derek Carr had was be, was able to take advantage every time they went man right because it's specifically on the outside. Clark Phillips got a a nice little nice little dose today. He mm-hmm. he, he ate pretty well on, yeah. the, on the negative side, you know, and, right. um, because they were able to take advantage of him pretty much every time with At Perry. Obviously, was able to get off against the, your best cornerback in AJ Terrell on that yeah. back shoulder throw in the first half of the game. So it was just every instance where they were matched up outside and, and a play needed to be made, the Saints were making them. So if you see in your people getting consistently beat 
in man coverage, of course you're not going to play it as much because it just doesn't make sense for you to continue to do so because you're banging your head against the wall because that particular day, this particular day, yeah, Derek Carr, Derek Carr was on one. He was making some good throws, and he was putting the ball where it needed to be, and you had Chris Olave. When they called that touchdown with the whole – basically he was playing volleyball with himself. I just knew, that, hey, it, today was their day, and as a defensive coordinator, you can't continue to put your guys in situations where you just haven't been able to compete. True, but so let me ask this follow-up question to you. Was there any situation, to your point, and, and you got to give Derek Carr a lot of credit because in those four games that the Saints had won of the last five coming into today's game, he did have – this was his uh, – fifth straight game with two or more passing touchdowns, longest streak of his career. So yeah, he was starting to look kind of like the Derek Carr that I suppose the Saints had hoped he'd look like, but was there any defense, own defense included, that could have maybe slowed, slowed the bleeding, or I don't want to say stop the bleeding, but maybe slowed it down enough to maybe allow the offense to re, reset or gather itself to maybe make this a little more competitive the second half? The, the difficulty that in what you're talking about, right? So Coming out in the first half, the the, the, I mean, the the Saints were able to run the ball downhill. They weren't getting any type – they weren't put any type of pressure in the run game. They weren't where any guys getting in the backfield. Like, you saw the running back getting, getting, being tackled on the second level of in this particular game. And when you give an offense a two-way go in the NFL, because that is the worst, absolute worst thing that you can do. I don't care if you got the 2,000 Ravens defense out there. If you are having success in the run game, that's why it's so important to be able to establish that. And they did in the first half. So Pete Carmichael was – the playbook was wide open. You saw they started putting in Taysom Hill in there, and they were able to make some couple plays, you know, barring a a, a great play by uh, um, Calais Campbell on the goal line. That was that would have been a, a touchdown. So sure. some of the things like when you, when you start getting into a, a, a back and forth with a team that has – that type of advantage on you is pretty much you're in a space where you it's not too many adjustments that you can necessarily make. True, true. And when you look at the fact that they were averaging uh, four over four yards, almost four and a half yards per carry, and you look on the same token, and yeah, Derek Carr had a nice game of 22 or 28 for 246 yards. But when you can balance that out with 154 yards on the ground, yeah, it does make for pretty much any scheme you kind of put out there kind of neutralizes it because you're so effective in both phases of the game. Now, speaking of that free, like Jarvis just said, I mean, the Saints just kind of ran rough shot in this first half, but particularly there was this stretch in the second half where they ran five straight plays on the drive that ended the third quarter and then took you into the fourth quarter. And that's kind of what they did all day to get the 35 carries, 154 yards, the two touchdowns on the ground. But it was so interesting still to me because, yeah, we knew that the game would probably be won in the trenches, but I'll be honest, I don't think any of us could have expected that the Saints would have really, really manhandled the Falcons at the line of scrimmage and really, really won in the trenches quite like this. Yeah, the, the Saints punched the Falcons in the mouth. They were just basically running, you know, pretty easily between the tackles. Um, you just you did not have the sort of normal play. You know, some of that maybe owed to Caden Ellis exiting the game early. Uh, with an injury, but it wasn't as if like the Falcons were stopping the run and then Caden Ellis exited and then they stopped stopping the run. It, you know, the Saints pretty much were able to establish the run from the jump. As, as Jarvis uh, said, you know, Taysom Hill was just keeping it on all those keepers and, you know, he he busted a couple in the second half. So like 
the Falcons run defense has been, you know, one of their strengths this year on defense. Yes. Um, and they just did not show up today. The Saints basically came into this game. Yeah, you you pushed us around in that week 12 game. And we're going to push you around in this game. And, and the Falcons didn't really push back. Yeah. And and that's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I know we talked about it before uh, a couple of weeks ago when we saw um Street, Contavia Street go out, and it was one of those things where was it the Bucks game? I think it was where they were they the Bucks they had the run game contained, and all of a sudden he goes out, and it's like the Bucks just kind of go rough shot. So yeah, you are mindful that there are some players who would have been a part of that run stop defense that simply weren't there. But again, you can't just kind of lay it at the feet of one player. And you know, one more thing I want to ask you guys both before we kind of wrap up because I thought this was very intriguing, and certainly we can talk about it um, in the next segment as well. In fact, you know what? I'll ask you guys another question because I want to give you guys plenty of space and time to answer this final question. Let me ask you this, Aaron. Saints put up 48 points on the Falcons today. Most the Falcons have given up this entire season. And for me, it kind of felt like this team kind of waved the white flag in that second half. What say you? Yeah, I think they did. I think once the Falcons had that turnover on downs to sort of close out the third quarter, like they knew that was kind of their their last real shot to to really get back in the game, and then you know the defense held the the Saints to a field goal there, but you know basically you had that bad snap from Ryan Newsel and botched exchange, whatever you want to call it, from Desmond Ritter, and like at that point the game was was done, and the and the Falcons just basically laid down for the rest of the game. Yeah, and it's interesting because I. I was looking at the replay and listen to, listening to the TV commentators and they were saying, oh, you know, it just felt like um, they were, that uh, Des Ritter was still communicating with Ryan Newsel. And I said to myself, yeah, but here's the problem. That's happened with a guy that he was communicating with on a more frequent basis when Drew Dahlman was in, it was no different. So I wish I could say that I would have been comfortable thinking maybe it was because Newsel was in and not Dahlman, but honestly, that's just something we've seen the entire season, J.D. I didn't feel like it was much different from anything that we saw as far as like the chain of events that led to it than what we saw today. Yeah, it, it was weird because when you think about like seeing like, when I when I saw when we found out that um, we found out that Desmond really going to be the starter, you know, I, was, I got the little updating in my email and everything. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, then I saw that Taylor Heineken was going to be the emergency quarterback. He was going to dress out. But. Logan Woodside was going to be the backup. And I'm just like, okay. And I would have never thought that with five or six minutes left in the game, we would have seen number 11 come into the game. I'm just like, what is going on? Why is this man in the game? Is Desmond Ritter hurt? Are you saving him for some reason? Like, you scared he's going to get hurt? Like, or do you think you're up in the game, Arthur Smith? So why is 11 going to the game? So it's just so many. It's it just weird. It almost seems like they did wave the white flag. And, and Arthur Smith was was leading the charge. Like, well, this is over. Logan, get in there. Let me see. Let me see what you got. You know, maybe right. Arthur Blank can see something in him. Like, oh, maybe he could be the starter next year. And he could be sold on him being the starter quarterback in the summertime. And then next thing you know, he gets bitched three times. Well, let me stop going down that road. But yeah, yeah, it did seem like they raped the wave the white flag because it's just, at the end of the day, you you want your team to you gotta look at the message that that sends to your team. Yeah. What about the defense? Like I know the defense gave up what 48 points, almost off almost a 50 piece, 50 piece mm-hmm. on the road, but you putting your third string quarterback in now? Like, what does that say? 
All right, we're just going to save everybody. Save everybody for what? This is the last game of the season, sir. (laughs) Yeah, because I think we know, if nothing else, to me, well, I don't want to say we know. In my opinion, all Desmond Ritter could have been playing for was to be the backup quarterback. I mean, honestly, I don't think there was anything else that he was going to be able to do but show that he could be a quality backup in an emergency situation. That was kind of all that I was looking for, even if the Falcons had won the game, by the way. That would have still been my assessment of who he should have been or who he could could be for them. So, anywho, guys, you know that it is now time to have that difficult conversation. You know, the uncomfortable ones that people really really like. I was trying trying to build it up in the something in the back of the class is always going to open his mouth and say something. Jared's like, is it really that difficult? No. Well, you know what? It is what it is. And on that note, since Jarvis said it's not that difficult, we're going to have that conversation on the other side that you guys know is coming up. Before that, I want to tell you guys who this episode is brought to you by because that's actually one of the best parts of Locked on Falcons, our postcast, and that is that our episodes brought to you guys by FanDuel. FanDuel is, of course, the official partner of the NFL. And as this regular season is wrapping up, Miraculously and excitingly, there's still time to get in on the action with them because they are America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, very user-friendly. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, finding bets in the new Explore tab, making a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, by the way, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make it a layup for you. Again, really easy, really simple. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And don't forget that FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, the time has come to have this conversation that Jarvis said isn't really difficult, so I'm not going to even try to make it dramatic. I'm just going to go right into it. <laughs> now that the 23 season is finally a wrap, at least for these Falcons, it is. It ends the Arthur, the third year of Arthur Smith's tenure with another seven-win season. They're wrapping up, of course, in a 17-game season, seven and ten. So, Jarvis, I'll let you take a crack at it first since you think that it's really that simple. Where do we go from here as it relates to Arthur Smith? I think Arthur Blank just needs to bunker down um, and say, make the, the decision and say, you know what? Um, this is unacceptable. Uh, you all gave me a three-year plan and y'all did not go through with it, regardless of money in the first two years or regardless of you know, um, being able to have money in that third season and and not necessarily what $190 million or whatever, whatever that number is in free agency uh, and spending money and bringing people in for on the defensive side of the football, spending all that draft capital, uh, drafting uh, pass catchers in the first round in three consecutive seasons. You know, uh, you, you that tells me that you are offensive oriented and, but has, you haven't executed regardless who's at the quarterback spot. You are the play caller. You are the head coach of this team. And for you to, I can count on one hand how many times you scored 30 points in three seasons, it's not good. I'm just sorry. At the end of the day, 
that's what it all boils down to. You, it's all about executing. What you put on pay, on tape is, is what you should be judged by and not a, a section of that. Like, you know, a small section of that saying, because, you know, I've, that really it really hurt me that people were talking about, yeah, we're going to see what he does in these last three games. We've watched 51 of them. So, so why are we waiting to three games to figure out where the where this organization needs to go? And, and also, this organization needs to be more clear as to who's making the decisions for what and who's doing what. Because this whole tandem thing with the head coach and office, head coach and general manager, that has to go. It's time for that to go. Because every time this team fails, which they've done six consecutive seasons, um, we always trying to figure out, well, who made the decision on this guy? Or who made the decision yeah. on this guy? Or was it the general manager that did it? Or was it the head coach that did it? And we, we've been doing that for the past two regimes. So now, Arthur, Arthur Blank, it is time for you to be clear. Be clear and concise as to who's doing what. General manager, you make all the personnel decisions, free agency. Head coach, you call the plays. You, you doggone come up with the schemes. You do all of that. With the groceries that you're giving, you do it. You make it work. And if we see on the field that the groceries aren't good enough, that means the GM got to go. And if we see that, hey, there's talent out on the field, and, and but we're not scoring enough points to win games, or we only scored 30 points four times in three years, then the head coach got to go. It's simple. It's simple. Stop with all the gray area stuff, Arthur Blank. Go ahead and make the decision and do what you need to do to get this thing right. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the biggest challenge for me when I was talking about those last couple games, and not that I don't agree with you, by the way, Jarvis, but I think for me, it was more of, is there anything he could do in the three games to save his job? Because I never felt like it was 100% that he was going to be back next season. But I did feel like if there was a lean in that direction, it was more like a 60, 40, maybe 55, 45 lean in the direction of, yeah, you're coming back next season, meaning that that pendulum could swing in those last three games, maybe one way or the other, if that makes sense. I just felt like, and, and that goes to the comments that we had heard about him Arthur Smith, that is, being safe, barring a catastrophic situation, right? Well, I'm not sure it gets more catastrophic than 29 to 10, because remember, these comments came in just before the last three games of the season. So I'm not sure if there's anything more catastrophic than 29 to 10, 37 to 17, and 48 to 17 to your rival in a game that has not just postseason implications, but has implications across, as I've been saying from day one, and I'll take one piece out of that, but implications for those who suit up on the field, implications for those on the sidelines, and maybe implications for those in the front office, although I'll, I'll take that back at this point because I still, as as I looked and kind of thought it through, I feel like Terry Fontenot is pretty darn safe. But again, now we're here. So free, my question is whether it's Colts, Bears, Saints all together, Saints by itself, or Bears and Saints. Catastrophic enough here to, to make a call? Yeah, I mean, you know, we heard that barring a late season collapse and yes. you look at those last three losses and it feels like a late season collapse, losing to Carolina, <laughs> losing to Chicago in the fashion that they did, losing to the Saints in this fashion. Yeah, You know, it, it's hard to deny that like this team, which had been competitive 
pretty much in every game we talked about it, you know, every week where it's like, okay, it's going to be a, a one score sort of ball game in the fourth yeah. quarter. And we'll see if they make the plays that they need to make in order to win those games. They obviously didn't make it against Carolina with Desmond Ritter having that pick and the defense giving up a 95 yard drive. Uh, you know, they, they played well against the Colts and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe they will finish the season strong and that will give you something positive. And then, to, to basically get blown out by the bears and the saints to, to wrap up the season. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of your litmus test right there. So I, I think if you're Arthur blank, you know, I mean, you can sit there and, and come up with reasons to, to justify bringing back Arthur Smith, but you know, it does feel pretty much if you do do that, like you're in the exact same situation you were a couple of years ago when you brought back Dan Quinn and they yeah. and that team finished the season much stronger. So at least then you could at least make the case. Oh well, you know they'll carry this momentum into the the next season. Right. You you can't make yeah. that case with with this team. And so like if Arthur Smith comes back, he, he, I guarantee you when we when we do the fan book Fanduel stuff, he's going to be the first coach to be fired. He's going to have the best odds going into the season to be the yeah. first coach to be fired. And if if Arthur Blank is iffy on whether or not he wants to to bring back the coach, if if he doesn't have 100% conviction that Arthur Smith can turn this thing around, you might as well just cut the cord now and, and just move on and and and, and start this thing in a, in a different direction. Exactly. And check that against the Colts. In my mind, I'm, I'm seeing Colts, but I'm thinking Panthers because the point that I was trying to make is what happened to the Panthers could be considered catastrophic as well because you see a, a Baker Mayfield with Tampa Bay Buccaneers pull it out. I don't care that all they did was score field goals. They understood the assignment. They knew it was at stake and they got it done. So that's the difference. When you walk away from Carolina and you lose nine to seven and you have your QB one in, they don't have their QB one and they make, they make do with what they have. And they just know, even if we got to get it done by the skin of our teeth, we will absolutely get it done. So anyway, let me let you Jarvis, cause I look like I'm looking at their face and I'm like, yeah, Jarvis has some closing thoughts. So let me let you wrap us up. Oh, uh. Let the church say amen on Arthur being, being out. It's time for the benediction. Let's go ahead and do it. Doors of the church are open. It's time. It's time. Come all thee that have failed in the last three years. And on that note, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate you guys. Man, don't look at me like that, man. Bye. I try to be quick, short to the point. Yeah, don't look at me like that. <laughs> we'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for him, and we'll pray for Arthur Smith. Yes. One like period. Listen, we appreciate you guys as always for stopping by the Locked On Falcons postcast, your best Falcons talk because you can get it right here as always. But not just here; you can get it tomorrow because we're gonna have. Of course, our Atlanta Falcons football party, along with our girl, Tori McElhaney, to break this down even more so. And before we wrap up, we got to say Daddy Cash comes through all the time. So we want to thank you for rocking with us always. God bless you. I'll see you next year. There will be better days. And you know what? I like that because at least you allow us to leave out on a positive note. We appreciate you guys also for liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to check us out tomorrow because we'll have 24 hours to really kind of dig in to what we saw today, but also if there is any update, any status reports, whether that is for Arthur Smith or anybody from that regime or from the front office, we'll give you guys our take on it tomorrow.